Today is Monday, November 7, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. You may have noticed it's election eve. We will, of course, have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Tregons Phillips, Billy Hallowell joining me as always. Fellas, it's it's almost here. Uh, are you ready for it to be over? I mean, I'm ready for this week to be over, but I'm I'm chugging coffee. I'm ready to go because I got to pre-caffeinate before tomorrow. Yes. I mean, who's like who's like ready for election week to just stay here? Everybody's yeah. ready for it to be to be done. I know the ads are like I've said. I'm in I'm in Oz right. Fetterman territory, and the ads are out of control. I mean, it is out of control. I mean, it is just oh, something. Yeah. It's yeah. something to behold the attack ads that are coming on both sides, and it's like okay, look. It was entertaining for a hot minute, but I'm I'm ready for I'm but ready to move on past that. It. Yes, we're all over. Well, and this. for people for people who love the environment so much, I mean, there's a lot of paper being wasted. <laughs> yes, yes, the far left Fetterman um, pamphlets I get in my mailbox are they're stuffed in there every day. It's like, all right, I got it, I got your message. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I mean, there is obviously a lot going on surrounding this. This is a huge day, and um, it's it's tomorrow, and it's looking. Could we get that red tsunami? That's what uh, people are saying. But we're going to dive into some of the details on that. Plus, on the main thing, we're looking at one of the biggest issues of this election cycle. It's a transgender issue. Madison Seals talks with Christian Post's Brandon Showalter about some of the claims being made ahead of the midterms on that front. But first, we are going to head through the news in 90 seconds. And we're one day away from that big midterm election in the Senate remains a toss-up. Meanwhile, experts, when you compile a lot of them uh, looking at this, are predicting 47 seats going to Democrats, 49 to Republicans, and four toss-up races are left. Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. uh, And over in the House, they're predicting a gain of 23 seats for Republicans compared to what they have today. That would leave a 19-seat majority or 236 total seats. This is according to experts compiled by Fox News. And if Republicans gain gubernatorial wins in New York, in your neck of the woods, Billy, Michigan, Connecticut, Oregon, which is they're possible, this would be a stunning statement from the public on current representation. Just days ahead of the midterm, meanwhile, former President Trump took a swipe at Ron DeSantis at a rally saying basically that he was the front runner of 2022 which many expect him to announce that he's running soon. And while he was looking at some alleged poll numbers, he said, there it is, Trump at 71%, Ron DeSanctimonious at 10%. It was a mixed reaction from the crowd. It received a lot of pushback from conservatives online like Matt Walsh, Eric Erickson, and several others questioning this timing of attacking one of the more popular Republicans just days ahead of the election. And comedian Kathy Griffin's account was suspended from Twitter yesterday after she, in an apparent attempt to test Elon Musk's new policy, tried to impersonate him by changing her photo to his photo and changing her username to Elon Musk, even though her handle remained Kathy Griffin. And Musk then said, going forward, any Twitter handles engaging in impersonation without clearly specifying parody will be permanently suspended. Those are just some of today's top headlines. A lot going on. You can check out those and more over at CBNnews.com. Guys, I mean, you pick. What do you want to react to? I mean, there's Twitter controversies going on. You've got Trump and DeSantis. 
kind of going at it. And then you've got the Republicans looking to make big gains tomorrow. Well, yeah, I think the the Trump thing is really interesting for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, you would think that that people would realize the you know you got to be a united front as you're heading into the election. Yeah. This isn't the time. This isn't the time to start barbing and fighting. You need to be on the same side. You could do that after Tuesday. Yeah, just wait till after um, Tuesday, right? Yeah. Right. That's the part of it that, that makes little sense. And what's so interesting, though, is a lot of big Trump supporters, as you were saying, are reacting very, very harshly to this and did not like it. Yeah, it's interesting to see uh, that this may actually be kind of a breaking point, like 2024 and, and Trump's decision uh, might be enough to kind of sp- split the Republican yeah. Party even even more. It's just an interesting point. And it, it, it is weird that you'd go after your, your number one rival, like the next most popular Republican, uh, when your focus should be on the midterms. But this is something that's happened before, right? Is when like Trump said during the midterms in 2020, uh, or during not the midterms, during the election in 2020, that everything's rigged. Um, and then it ended up with people not voting. Um, so the you know, Republicans not voting. So it seems like he can kind of shoot himself in the foot sometimes yeah and and i don't think desantis if i'm mistaken guys if i missed it but i don't think that he's outwardly put trump on blast has he i mean i felt like he's kind of been careful about how he's talked about him so it's a it would seem that this is a reaction of trump understanding that desantis has gained some popularity among conservative circles and you know if he's going to indeed run if trump is going to run in 2024 that this is his primary opponent right here. And so right. maybe he wants to turn the guns towards him, so to speak. It'll be interesting to see how, how all that plays out and if Trump tones it down here in the last day or so before uh, the election actually takes place. Because, you know, as I mentioned, it's sure looking, judging by polls and everything else, that Republicans are going to make some big gains tomorrow. Uh, we're going to head into our next story now. And Chris Pratt made headlines yesterday when he broke sort of with his past aversion to political endorsements and made one. So, Billy, what's going on here? Yeah, this is kind of interesting because, as you said, Chris Pratt always avoids really oh, getting political. Always, yeah. and, and there's and there's always assumptions about what he believes, right? Oh, he must be a conservative. Yeah. And so people have these preconceived notions. But what's so intriguing about this race in Los Angeles, this I mean, it would seem to the rest of us. Why does this matter? You know, it's the Los Angeles mayor race, mayoral mm-hmm. race. And he posted to his Instagram stories on Sunday that he is endorsing Rick Caruso, um, who is a Democrat. But here's the thing. There are two Democrats in that race, essentially. Rick Caruso is a businessman. He's a former Republican. Um, so he posted, you know, that he's he's going to be supporting him and, you know, noted that he was you know, sort of hesitant to do so, but that he felt he needed to. Super interesting that Pratt would dive in now at this particular moment in time. And w- did he give a reason as to why he was deciding to break the trend and make an endorsement? He did. He talked about the fact he's lived in Los Angeles for over 20 years and that it's been a great city uh, for him. And that in that time, he said he's seen many residents here um, see the same thing he is, which is the city's, quote, gradual decline into pain and utter disarray. And so I just want to pause there to say this seems to be now people could read into this. It seems to be a broader statement about what's going on in cities across the country. Right. Yeah. Uh, But he went on. He went on to say. I don't normally support political candidates, but in this election, there's too much to lose. Yeah. So, yeah. It's interesting because you're right, Billy. I mean, I think it does have more of a feel 
of a statement on we're seeing these videos you saw it in kensington and philadelphia on youtube devastation people just lining the streets with trash and people high on drugs needles in their arms all this stuff is spilling out into the streets people smashing grabbing stores they're just deciding to go in and cops can't do anything about it it does feel less about especially because it's on the mayoral level it's usually less national partisanship on that level like oh i'm just supporting the democrat yay or the republican yay no this seems more about okay this is a mess here in the city and you're right it feels like an indictment on what we're seeing in a lot of those cities nationwide right and you have to dig into something else here too caruso again they're both democrats he's up against um Bass, who's a Karen Bass, she's a representative in Congress, longtime um, Democrat. Uh, but he's this guy Caruso is a businessman. He built a lot of the big, you know, malls out in Southern California. He's also the past president of the Los Angeles Police Commission, and um, he's done a lot of other things, you know, sort of in government. But he's a business guy, and he was a lifelong Republican. That's what makes this so interesting. Lifelong Republican was an independent, and he became a Democrat right before running. So this is a guy who. You know, he says he's you know more liberal on abortion and things, but this is somebody who supported George W. Bush, Mitch McConnell. This is a shock in Los Angeles if this guy were to win. So why why does this why should given that it's a local race, Billy, in Los Angeles, why do you think it matters? Uh, to the public at large here. You know, it's interesting. It seems to matter very much to the National Democratic Party because Joe Biden has endorsed Bass. <laughs> you know, why mm. the president's endorsing, yeah, I guess it's the second biggest city in America, but still. And Vice President Kamala Harris is going to campaign with Bass, Caruso's opponent, um, you know, today. So this is, a, it's a big issue because it's such a big city. But I think the big thing is that they're only four percentage points away from each other. And this is another example. Bass was leading Caruso 21 points over the summer and the fact that he has closed that gap is incredibly notable and speaks to those broader issues nationally that we're seeing yeah i mean it's interesting i'll open it up guys but it does seem like i mean remember just a couple weeks ago there was this this movement afoot in the media kind of trying to say well maybe republicans aren't going to gain as much as they think they are and then that shifted back (laughs) and now it seems like oh wait a minute okay this could be really bad for democrats tomorrow yeah, well, I mean, I think part of the reason, too, that the, the Democrats are so focused on this L.A. race is because it, it, quite an embarrassment it would be, right, if yeah. uh, if this right-leaning Democrat who is, for all intents and purposes, a Republican, uh, were to win, the, win that job uh, in the safest Democrat progressive city in the country. Right. Or, you know, one what of the statement safest. it would be, yeah. Um, so I think that's that's probably part of the reason why they're so focused on it. But yeah, I also think that they're just preparing for a potential tidal wave. Who knows? I mean, it could not. It, it might not be as big as some people are anticipating. Uh, but either way, it seems like re- Republicans are poised to make decent gains around the country, right? Yeah, and and just on the Pratt front, front, real quick, guys. I I mean, I actually like that. I mean, regardless of who he's endorsing, I, what I like about him breaking this pattern of his is i i want people to not be afraid of the cancel mob it 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 feels like at times you know chris pratt like like is this christian this kind of undercover conservative guy in hollywood but just can't quite speak out because you know he's on top of the acting world right now and it might harm his momentum but uh, so I like, I mean, and I and I would count this for people who are on the side of the spectrum that I disagree with. I, I want you to speak out and 
I mean, not that I care about all of your political views, but I want people to freely feel okay to say what they believe. I mean, that's just how America should be. And, you know, look, if you make a silly comment, well, then you get the repercussions of that comment and you might get mocked or whatever. But I'd rather err on the side of people saying too many things rather than people being afraid to say anything at all. Right. And when he was saying, remember the whole thing where he's like, I'm not a religious person. And it was sort of this weird hedging thing that he did. And, you know, trying not to judge people's hearts, but trying to understand what in the world's going on. This is interesting, though, because to your point, let's keep in mind, Los Angeles is a major Hollywood staple, obviously. Hollywood Hollywood is there. So you can't imagine, I can't imagine these people are happy with the, you know, Republican, quote unquote, candidate. Right. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, Billy, thanks for bringing that one. And that leads us into our main thing today. And there were recent claims by NBC News and others that say voter ID laws are, quote unquote, disproportionately affecting transgender people. So how are claims like these undermining election integrity, trust and basically society as a whole? Well, Madison Seals talked about that and more uh, with Christian Post reporter Brandon Showalter. That's on today's main thing. Well, it's finally here, election eve, and a majority of Americans across the country are walking into the polling booth concerned about election integrity and how ballot harvesting or biased poll workers could lead to skewed election results. A new report from Rasmussen shows that election integrity and election cheating are among the top 10 concerns for voters this election. And despite President Biden's speech last week calling on Americans to trust the system, NBC News recently claimed that voter ID laws disproportionately affect transgender people, with some people even equating them to racism. Here to break this claim down for us is Christian Post journalist Brandon Showalter. Brandon, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. It's good to be here. So NBC News suggested last Wednesday that transgender voters are being negatively impacted by voter identification laws ahead of the 2022 midterm elections. So first, can you kind of talk about how voter ID laws work and how they differ by state? Well, various states have various policies as to whether or not they're actually even required to present a form of ID at all, a a picture ID such as a driver's license. Um, While I'm no expert on the specifics and the minutia of every legal statute uh, as it pertains to voting measures, um, there are certain states where they do require you to present some kind of form of an identification. There are different rules about whether or not you can vote absentee within a certain amount of time, um, and that how poll watchers and poll workers have to verify the identity of the voter to ensure that voter is indeed a citizen of the United States as an, and a resident of the county and the state in which they are voting. So really, this claim is just that trans people are upset that they have to show identity at all. Well, here's the question. What even what even is a trans person, a trans voter? Is this a male or a female? Do we know? Is there if if someone is presenting as the opposite sex and they've changed their name, but their identification, you know, records, maybe their driver's license hasn't yet been updated, it would be confusing for anyone who's trying to maintain the integrity of an election if someone is not who they say they are. It's entirely reasonable for a poll worker to think that maybe this person doesn't live here. And a person who self-identifies as the opposite sex, as trans, or any of the infinite quote-unquote gender identity (laughs) options that there are today, uh, I I can only imagine the confusion. This is one very visible area where this ideology, once you weave it into the law, 
foments only kind only confusion and chaos. And so for people to claim that quote unquote transgender voters are impacted by voter ID bills, it's like, well, that's just another incursion of gender ID and gender ideology into the law. And I can't blame people for being confused because this whole thing is confusing. Right. I don't think many are arguing that you can't change your name at all if you want to, but if you're going to then change it on your ID as well. I listened to the NBC interview with a guest who had to go through this process of changing their name to match their identity. And it sounds like the process to change your name on your ID as a trans individual is pretty similar to the process that you go through as a newly married person, which I just went through about a year and a half ago. And yes, it's a pain, but it's worth it in the end. And granted, I think there's a few added steps, but what do you think about claims that the extensive ID verification process for trans individuals is similar to what some such as CNN's Don Lemon and President Biden even said, Jim Crow laws? I think that's really, really offensive. I mean, there's, those things are in no way comparable. The injustices that black people in this country have suffered, particularly under Jim Crow laws, are in no way similar to those people who are, you know, even if they are genuinely psychologically distressed, I think that comparison is very offensive for people who claim to be trans to say that their experience is in any way analogous to the kinds of structural, horrible, clearly discriminatory measures that were implemented in laws against an entire race of people. I reject that comparison with enthusiasm. And I mentioned President Biden's speech last week about protecting democracy and trusting in our elections, which is interesting because he was one of those who compared these claims to Jim Crow laws. But with our president advocating for more widespread provisions for the trans community, how are we supposed to trust the system when the transgender community wants to dismantle one of the longest standing and simplest tools of election integrity? Well, it's, it's like with anything else. They are trying to dismantle reality itself, and that never goes well. So there should, be, there should be zero trust of that, because we can't even know what is right before our eyes, because that is what this ideology produces. It's the, it's, it is, uh, I continue to quote him, it's an atheist evolutionary biologist by the name of Colin Wright. It's reality's last stand. This ideology ends reality as we know it and our, and our ability to process information accurately. It's, it's an egregious assault on everything that it touches, and in this case, voting rights. Do you think this claim that voter ID laws discriminate against the trans community could become a tool for Democrats to push through some softer voting laws that open the door for illegitimate votes? Well, it certainly looks like it, but again, it, it, it's, it's even so much bigger than just the specific policies regarding voter laws, voting laws. When you assault reality like this, when you claim that there's a people group that the sex of the body doesn't matter, where you're trying to impersonate someone that you can never be in any meaningful material or biological sense. All you have is confusion. So would they use that to then sneak through a, la a more lax law? Well, perhaps. It's entirely likely. But that's, again, that's what happens when you try to undermine reality. Right. And you're starting to get into this a little bit. So I do want to talk about what's at the root of this claim and others that claim similar discrimination against the trans community, because there's they're coming quickly and aggressively. And you and a team of journalists at the Christian Post have been working on a five-part podcast series on transgenderism and its devastating impact on society. And the reason that you said you started this series now is because so many people are kind of alarmed at how fast the trans ideology has impacted schools and so many other spheres of influence. 
So I'll give you a chance at the end to kind of pitch your podcast so people can learn more about this by listening. But can you briefly talk here about what really the biggest threat is from this push to accept trans ideology? I think the most significant threat is the sanctity and the integrity of the bodies of our children. I believe that transgenderism, transgender ideology, constitutes one of the most horrific medical scandals the world has ever seen. Once you start a child on hormone blockers, then follow it on with cross-sex hormones, and then perhaps a, a medically unnecessary cosmetic gender surgery, you have completely disfigured and sterilized a child. That, to me, is unconscionable. The health uh, ramifications for this generation of youth who are being sucked down this pathway and told that this experimental medicalization is their gateway to freedom and that this is the most true expression of their quote-unquote authentic self is absolutely terrible. This is being sold to them as this solution to all their problems and nothing could be further for the truth. I imagine that pharmaceutical companies and big medical institutions and others are profiting handsomely off of this, but this is a live experiment on our children and it's I mean, it's just ruin, ruining and wrecking their bodies and oftentimes shattering their families. So I think the tide against this ideology will turn when people hear the word transgender and the first thing they associate with it is a medical scandal because that's absolutely what it is. And for such a fluid, as we refer to it, struggle, it's interesting, ironic, and sad that the so-called cure for it is a permanent changing of your body, a permanent altering of your body. No one has ever been or ever will be born in the wrong body. From the get-go, it starts out with the false claim. Your body is you. It is who you are. And you can't change that. The sex of your body is stamped on every single, on the nucleus of every single cell in your body. So in pursuit of that physiological impossibility, we are pumping young children with hormone blockers and then synthetic cross-sex hormones, so testosterone if you're a female, or estrogen if you're a male, and there's a whole cocktail that goes along with this depending on where you are developmentally with your endocrine system. It's an absolute disaster, and I think we are only just beginning to see now as more and more detransitioners, people who have undergone this experimental medicalization, are putting their heads above the parapet and saying, no, no, please don't. I was I underwent this thinking that this is going to help me, and it didn't. Um, I think there's a lot more journalism to do with those who have been harmed by this, and uh, I think people are going to be shocked by the scope when this spell of this ideology is purged from our institutions and they were able to see the harms that were hidden. Uh, but worst of all, the, the way the media reports on this is is particularly egregious because they've covered up the harms of this, they've covered up the atrocities going on, with language that that shields it, with language that cloaks the harmful impacts of these drugs and surgeries. Mm -hmm. Your executive editor at the Christian Post, Dr. Richard Land, said it like this, that the transcendent moral question of our time is who and what is a human being? And if we can't agree on that as a society, how will we uphold truth through policies and laws that sustain our free society while also loving others? And I think really the, the biggest question here is how do we pursue this goal as Christians? Well, I do happen to agree with my executive editor, Dr. Richard Land, and this ideology, if it triumphs, and I I don't believe that it will, but if it would, it would mean the death of truth. And what is a human being? That is a transcendent moral question. Uh, I have often said, and I'll say it here, that you can't get Genesis wrong 
without getting the entire gospel wrong. It means something profound to be a human person, and we should unashamedly declare that we are made male and female in God's image. But even if you don't believe in any of that, let's say you're an atheist listening to this podcast, or an agnostic, or someone who's not religious at all, this is basic biological science. Human beings are sexually dimorphic mammals, and it is not hateful to declare that scientific truth. Um, so I, I don't think you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, as I do, to understand why this is important. Um, but we, and we obviously speak the truth in love. That is important. I believe grace precedes truth. There was no one more loving than Jesus Christ himself. But he was also bold, and I would encourage anyone and everyone to be bold about this, because as I've also said in this interview, reality itself is at stake, and I think that's a big deal. Yes. And Brandon, thank you for being bold. And can you tell us where to go to find your podcast so we can keep listening to you? Our podcast series is called Generation Indoctrination, Inside the Transgender Battle. It's on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. It's also on our website, ChristianPost.com. It's a five-part investigative series where we document, documentary style, what's going on within the education system, the medical institutions, how this is impacting the law, how this is uh, impacting families. And uh, next week is the concluding episode where we will speak to someone who detransitioned and a few other people who have been involved in resisting this ideology in their respective spheres. So uh, do check it out. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for joining me on this podcast today. And I'll be sure to check out yours as well. Thank you so much. All right, Madison, thanks for that conversation. That leaves us with time for one last thing today. Billy, where are we going? It's 1 Corinthians 10, 23 to 24. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their their own good, but the good of others. Just the idea that we've got freedom to do whatever we want, essentially. We can choose whatever we want to do, but not everything we choose to do is beneficial, right? Yeah. There are some bad things and dangerous things for us. Right. I mean, to me, it speaks a little bit to that, the whole hell insurance thing, right? Like you don't want to just say, well, I got my hell insurance. So I'm going to go on sinning and doing what I want. Like, no, no, like, yes, you have freedom in Christ to do things, but like, let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And what a countercultural message that is too, right? Because we live in this world that's obsessed with instant gratification. We have all of these apps on our phones that instant gratification or that reinforce instant gratification. So we feel like, well, we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want. Uh, it's like the Twitter. I think it's like a Twitter syndrome. It's like if you've got an account and something happens, you have to have an opinion on it when either yeah. just because you want to say something right. or want to do something doesn't mean you should right uh, and that's that's quite a countercultural message i think in yeah. this day and age absolutely and that's a, a good place for us to leave it here on this monday hang in there folks we are just hours away from election day hope you get out there and vote whoever you're voting for get out there and vote um it's a great it's a great freedom that we have to do and uh you may as well exercise it and we look forward to doing that tomorrow but uh as for now Uh, Enjoy the rest of your day, and Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless.